Hi everyone, it's Bert from Season Gaming, and thanks for joining us for our bi-weekly vidcast. I'm joined as usual by Ains, and today we're going to be talking about what was a better year for gaming? Was it 2007 or the year we just had in 2017? If you joined us for our exclusive special last week, we did kind of a bidcast special where we talked about our favorite games of 2017 and kind of what to expect for 2018. But this time we're gonna kind of talk about the comparison between 2007 and 2017. We're still gonna be rolling with the same format that we usually do where we go with our news. We talk a little bit about some developer news that we like to talk about. We are gonna be talking about some fake news that happened this past week. And then we'll briefly talk about new releases even though there really isn't kind of what we're playing and what we're looking forward to in the next couple of weeks. So let's go ahead and kick it off with our news for this week. We did have a bunch of big things that happened but also a lot of just news that kind of starts at the beginning of the year. So um, we did have some rumored news and a lot of this is not confirmed yet, but Ains, you want to kick us off with uh, what happened with Xbox so far? Yeah, so it turns out uh, some big rumors coming out of the Microsoft camp. Um, essentially what happened here is uh, some industry insiders who were looking at uh, some of the kind of leaked information as part of the software development kits noticed some interesting things being listed as open projects. And among those were uh, kind of some details around some potential titles. So the, just keep in mind, you know, this is all just speculation at this point. But right now, uh, one of the biggest ones is that Forza Horizon 4 is coming this year, which really wouldn't be a big surprise. Um, but that it's been rumored for a little while now that the setting's going to be Japan. And that's interesting for a number of reasons, especially if you're a car guy. Um, some of the settings around the mountains and both the city or kind of Tokyo areas would be really fascinating in a game like Forza Horizon. So we're hoping to see that. But uh, two of the much larger things is that Fable is being rebooted or, you know, a new kind of entry in the Fable series is coming. And that based on what the uh, insider could gather from the um, project writings, like I mentioned, is that it is being developed out of the UK as well. Now, what makes that unique, of course, is that we learned uh, last year that Playground Games, makers of Forza Horizon, were uh, staffing up and starting basically a second portion of their studio to work on an open world slash action slash RPG title, uh, something outside of, uh, you know, obviously hugely different from Forza Horizon. So now, of course, the, the speculation is that is Playground Games doing the, uh, the next entry in the Fable series. So that would be pretty amazing if true. Uh, whether or not, it, you know, how it turns out or if that's true at all, I guess, is yet to be seen. And then um, I'll let let me finish these up, Bert, and then you can comment on them. But the other one is that, um, you know, there were some writings around Dark. And so um, it's been kind of wanted by Microsoft fans for a long time now to see Perfect Dark come back. Uh, obviously, Perfect Dark Zero wasn't really the kind of huge AAA game that people were hoping on the 360. And so people like myself, and I'm sure you two, Bert, are really hoping for more of like a reboot. You know, something like they did with Tomb Raider, maybe, uh, you know, more recently, something like that. So whether or not this is true, we'll see as well. The Coalition was mentioned uh, in helping with a third-person title. Um, so whether or not that could be like a third-person Perfect Dark with the Coalition helping to develop, it gets obviously really interesting. So we'll see. But uh, this is pretty good news. And just one more thing to add is that just today, actually, the Microsoft Game Studios uh, Facebook page posted that there's going to be some big news coming up uh, with the hashtag it's going to be a, a great 2018 so it really just kind of getting that feeling that microsoft is uh you know they've gotten their infrastructure in place they've gotten now the xbox one x and s out and the hardware in place 
And now comes the third wave, which is going to be the, uh, you know, first party titles, which obviously everyone's been waiting to see. So sorry, kind of rambled there, Bert, but go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's interesting because uh, Microsoft did have that kind of slower start. A lot of people kind of trashed them for their launch um, overall. And then we've been kind of seeing a lack of exclusives, which seems to be a really important thing for a lot of people that never cared about a lot of exclusives before. But now it's just like the race going back and forth, dating back to probably the beginning of 2016, because before that they were doing okay on exclusives. But um, a lot of big news. I, I think this is going to be a big year in general for Microsoft when it comes to software, as we're seeing. Um, kind of crazy to see Playground Games having two massive titles like that. And me being a car guy and me starting my car love, I guess, on the car culture of Jap Japanese um, cars, which, you know, obviously the Toyota Supra is the best car ever made um, of that generation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of thinking about uh, the racing going on in the countryside of Japan and then going down maybe to downtown Tokyo and racing through the cities and the highways that are around there just seems like a lot of fun and would kind of reinvent uh, Horizon in general. So that seems like a really cool thing to do. And hopefully bringing some more actual Japanese cars to the to the fray would be kind of awesome. But uh, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think all of us have been kind of wanting a um, a modern Perfect Dark, um, whether it be a reboot of Perfect Dark Zero from that story or where they initially were back on the N64 thing. I think that'd be really neat. Um, so it looks really cool. But I really hope that they pick up the exclusives thing because honestly, you know, the fanboy fighting regarding exclusives is is beyond tired at this at this point. And I'd just like to kind of get over all that and just have some uh, friendly competition. I mean, Nintendo's <laughs> runs on exclusives and. Uh, you know, people don't even mention them, but whatever. It's just kind of cool to see some good news coming from software for a change. Yeah, I, I'm especially excited about the Perfect Dark. Well, actually, I'm excited about all three, but um, because I would love uh, Fable. I, I, that kind of open world RPG, or even if it's not open world, but that RPG with that British sense of humor is, you know, I love. But the Perfect Dark one's really interesting because I think it probably has the most potential in the sense that if you look at something like Horizon, right, for PlayStation 4 this past year, Aloy has already become like a mascot level character for Sony. Um, it's obvious that Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be a franchise that's with us. We will see a sequel at some point. Um, there's no reason why Perfect Dark shouldn't be very similar. You know, it's got a ton of potential. The world that the game takes place in is is uh, could really be utilized, you know, like a sci-fi thing. If it's third person, uh, it could be like a stealth type game. And Joanna Dark could be a great character. So there's just... There's no reason we shouldn't see something like that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully these are true, and we'll see in the coming months. Yeah, the other funny thing would be is if uh, we actually get the fable that was originally promised by Molyneux back in the day, <laughs> and <laughs> with the, with the current generation power and everything, it'd be cool to kind of see the real fable that we were promised and everybody got super excited about. And I don't know, we'll see if it happens or if it's a maybe it's a complete reboot. It'd be weird to kind of uh, see it kind of pick up where it left off, especially with how it ended. So uh -huh. yeah, I just hope it has the British sense of humor. I think. I would have to imagine that you know development staff knows that that's one of the key charms of uh, Fable. All right, our next set of news is really going to be talking about uh, what happened with I guess th uh, November, uh, going back to Black uh, Friday, and even kind of the the sales for December. So if you were able to pick up a console um, in the month of December, all of them had amazing sales, um, with the exception of I guess the Switch. There wasn't really wasn't really any sales for that as stated MSRP. But both consoles of, of the big existing consoles of uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox had amazing months. Uh, Sony mentioned that they did really, really well. They had some of the record-setting sales back on Black Friday and through December. They did really well. Uh, but the kind of uh, surprise, or maybe not surprise, depending on how you look at it, is Microsoft actually had 
uh, the most sales in December over Sony. Now, with that being said, um, the Switch was still the highest selling console of the year and also December in general. But a lot of keep, you got to keep in mind that that is a brand new console. So, of course, it's going to be selling more um, than the consoles that have been already out for you know four years or so. So what are your thoughts here, Ains, being the fact that um, Microsoft kind of making a comeback with the consoles? Yeah, I mean, it's good. Um, so it means, you know, we know the Xbox One X was selling well, which is excellent. There were tons of sales, as you said, for, you know, kind of PS4 slims and Xbox One S's. And uh, knowing that Sony had said it was like a record-setting um, holiday season for them, uh, Switch obviously selling like hotcakes, and they were the best-selling in December. Um, and so if if Microsoft or uh, the Xbox sold stronger than even PlayStation in December, then it means all, all three sold exceptionally well. Spending was up. So I, this is all good news. Um, you know, I, we don't get tied up in who was first, who was second, and arguing about st stupid things like that. Uh, that but... The good news here, of course, is that all three sold well. All three platforms are doing well. All three companies are healthy. That's what's great. So it just means more games and more competition for the rest of us. Yeah, and it's just funny to think about that. Me and you both got new consoles in November. So especially at this far in the generation, we have another Xbox under our belt. So kind of nuts. <clears throat> all right, um, another big one, uh, I guess more news for Microsoft than this one is PUBG has now passed 3 million users on Xbox consoles. So once again, we're not talking about PC, we're talking about exclusive to uh, the Microsoft Xbox One. And the reason we mentioned that is because it did launch in beta form um, in December. So that's kind of some big news, 3 million players. Um, we're both loving it. Um, I, I, obviously, Ains, we've talked about this before, but you're a bigger fan of the game than I am, but I'm still having a blast with it. Uh, we're both playing it on the One X, so we're getting a tiny uh, different uh, improvements from the launch Xbox, but uh, man, what a story with that game after it's coming from PC. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, and what's even more amazing about this number is they confirmed yesterday that that was through the end of 2017. So what that means is the game only launched on December 12th. They only tracked it for 19 days through December 31st, and it had already passed 3 million players. And they said it's already continuing to sell well into January. So for, you know, for all we know here, halfway through January, it already could be at 4 million. So, um, which is just staggering when you think about it. I mean, remember, this is in game preview. It's not a full release. Um, people are playing the living hell out of this game, myself included. It's kind of taken over my game time over the past month. Um, yeah, I love it. It's it's still a little buggy, but it's getting better really quickly. Uh, they fa In fact, they just released the fourth patch last night for it which was to address, uh, to give some more options to players and to address more of the uh, rubber banding that we were seeing a lot of. I did play a few matches earlier today, go figure. And um, it's gotten a ton smoother. The frame rate's pretty stable on the X now. And uh, I noticed very, very little rubber banding even compared to earlier this week. So it just continues to get better. And um, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon, honestly. Every time in 2017 where they thought the PUBG train had uh, slowed down on PC, it just kept going and going and going. So. This is uh, it's going to be interesting to watch in 2018. Yep, and that did make uh, your number five game of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of crazy for it to sneak in in the last two and a half weeks of December. Yeah, I, five spot. yeah, I, I really couldn't ignore it. Um, it was pretty much all I played since release, for the most part anyway. And um, I finally kind of understand now why it's been such a hot thing all year. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, <clears throat> and some kind of not so much as far as gaming news. We have some funny news for you. Uh, Pornhub. So <laughs> whether you're a, a viewer of that or not, that's none of our business. But the, the kind of big news coming from here is uh, Pornhub 
released their console watching stats uh, for 2017. So why is this important? Why is it funny? It's it's kind of just funny to hear where people are getting their content from, um, from a console perspective. So just some funny numbers for you. We just wanted to mention this and move on. It's not really much to talk about, but 56% of content watched on a home console was on a PlayStation console. So that's going to be your PlayStation 4 or your PlayStation 3 is where this was really watched off. And that's coming from the browser features on these consoles. Whereas 32% uh, was coming from a Microsoft console. So that's going to be your 360 or your Xbox Ones. And then obviously the smaller stuff is, funny enough, your handhelds. And that's not a joke. It's more of uh, the PlayStation Vita, your PSP, believe it or not. And as oddly as it sounds, the Nintendo DS did see a 110% um, change in how many of their users were watching this content. <laughs> so um, I don't know if the Nintendo DS had some kind of a comment somewhere or something happened, but they they are the highest uh, jump from 2016 as far as what was watched in that year. So take it as you will. Um, I, I personally can't even see myself turning on a console to do that just from the idea of getting flagged or, or that showing up in my cookies or history of the console. <laughs> That's just weird to me, but hey, to each their own. It's, uh, it's probably a lot of those kids who realize that these consoles nowadays have browser functionality, but their parents don't realize it. And uh, yeah, who knows? But uh, I, I haven't caught my kids doing this yet, so I, maybe I should go check. Yep. Be watching it on Bing. No, <laughs> Is Bing still the main browser for Xbox One? I don't think I've ever browsed anything. Oh, uh, Bing's the search engine. Edge is the browser. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Edge is on there now. Anyways, <laughs> kind of kind of whatever. Uh, some social media news this week. So if you've been a big fan of Cyberpunk 2077, so that obviously hasn't released yet. We have no news on it whatsoever. But their Twitter account did have the first message and the first time in uh, how long was it, Ains? Uh, two years? Uh, four, no, four and a half years. Almost five four and years. Four years. Gee, so uh, and it was, a, it was a long message. A lot of characters used here. It was simply beep. B-E-E-P. <laughs> And with that being said, uh, fans are going kind of nuts. I think they're. Um, I think we're all kind of hoping that that means we're going to get some kind of an announcement on the game, whether it be a release date or maybe another trailer or something's coming in the near future. I'm sure we'll probably see something from it at E3. Um, we have no idea what it is, but that's hopefully igniting a lot of fans to get super excited for it. Yeah, so I think I mentioned before, this is one of my top three most anticipated anticipated titles. Um, yeah, kind of hilarious. Uh, they, they hadn't done anything in years. They literally said beep, and I just looked it up while you were talking, and that beep has nearly 50,000 likes and 20,000 retweets. So yep. um, it just goes to show, I mean, Witcher 3 has, you know, um, which we didn't actually have on the news here, but Witcher 3 continues to just sell extremely well and be hugely popular um and i think people have such a love for that game now obviously myself included that cyberpunk 2077 is just right there on the list of most anticipated titles to see what cd project red will do next so um it should be neat there was a rumor that came out around this um who knows if it has any validity at all but that the game is in a playable state right now but it is still a year or two away from release um wow which really, you know, given the scope of the game, they've said it's bigger than Witcher 3, knowing how long it took them to get Witcher 3 out, that really wouldn't surprise anyone. You know, and remember, they're working on the Gwent title as well, consistently. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 that wouldn't surprise me. But regardless, this is exciting to know that at least something's happening. And, um, you know, be, I'm sure it'll be one of the greatest games ever when it releases. I'm pretty confident. 
Yeah, and I guess kind of one of the interesting things about it is um, will it top Witcher 3? I think it's going to be really hard to top that game. Um, I think uh, we, I think that's both of our favorite games of this favorite game of this generation. And I really have no idea how you can spend your twenty-five to thirty dollars on another title whatsoever without the content that you get from the complete edition of Witcher Three. So, regardless for playing on PC, whatever console you're on, and it's not coming to the Switch, so don't even get me started on that. But um, <laughs> I think it's the best game from this generation, and Cyberpunk's going to have to do something amazing to beat that game. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think uh, so. Just a couple more thoughts, real quick. I think um, for me, because knowing this is sci-fi. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I I was trying to think about what I would consider the best sci-fi role-playing game of all time, and I would probably argue that the Mass Effect trilogy has to be up there. Um, off the top of my head, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know what people would say there, but it would be interesting to see, as you said, if it compares to Witcher Three. But I think there's such different uh, time periods. Um, it'll really depend if you prefer that more kind of medieval style or the sci-fi style in the end. But the other thing that's interesting about this, if this game doesn't release until, say, fall 2019 or early 2020, that means it's going to be an end-of-generation title, most likely. You know, it's likely we're going to see the PS5 and new Xbox probably 2020 or the fall of 2020. So I hope, knowing that the uh, original PS4 and Xbox One came out in 2013, I hope that this game is not held back by those original launch consoles. You know, it'd be really interesting to see if this was a, a game that only released for like the Xbox One X and then, you know, PCs or or future, uh, the next generation of consoles. So that timeline there could be really interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too, because some of the games that launch at the beginning of a new console um, <clears throat> will come out on both uh, the, you know, current gen and the uh, previous gen. We'll see if that happens, but, um, I don't know. It'd be kind of weird for that to happen. And a lot of times the best games of an entire generation kind of come out in that last year before the new console comes out. So yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's going to be a big deal when that comes out. People will go nuts on it, especially with, like I said, because of what Witcher 3 has done. Okay. Uh, let's keep it going. So uh, some news came out regarding Microsoft's, um, their kind of their dashboard and kind of their achievement systems kind of getting overhauled. Um, and what's happening here is the avatars are going to be getting some some new milestones, some new things are going to happen for them, some costumes. There's going to be some prestiging and some leveling for achievements as well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, as you probably know about this one a little bit more than I do, but it's coming out to the preview uh, members first if you're one of those preview testers, and then will be launched later on in the year, probably maybe summer update for consoles. Is that what you're hearing as well? Uh, so they, that's for the avatars only. So the avatars okay. will be coming out for the insiders. Um I don't think there's a date yet, but first, this whole career system was leaked by Windows Central, so I'll give a quick shout out to them. Um, but they've been really good lately about kind of insider information on the Microsoft front, so uh, it's probably pretty trustworthy, especially considering Mike Yabara, um, you know, the head of the uh, kind of platform engineering group, has mentioned that an overhaul for the existing achievement system is is being worked on. Um, but you're you're probably right in the end. I mean, as with most things on the Xbox platform, we'll probably insiders will probably see this first. But right now, there's no timeline nor official uh, word on a career system from Microsoft. Interesting. Well, it does look pretty fun. I mean, I I've never really messed with the avatars too much since maybe the 360 side. But you know, there's a lot of other audience that plays the Xbox, and some people do like avatars. I have some friends that try to 
even messed with their 360 stuff yet. Yep, they're still playing a 360. So, <laughs> well, the um, new one, the new ones look really neat. Uh, the new avatars, so um, and they're going to be highly kind of customizable, way more than we saw out of anything on last gen. So, um, they were supposed to release prior to the end of 2017, but I don't know if either they just needed more time to work on them or if because of you know this whole career system they may be working on maybe they're holding the avatars back and, and kind of doing an all-in-one launch I, I don't know yeah we'll see yeah, i do remember seeing some footage for it so it does look pretty cool um i think uh it'll be kind of ahead of the game as they usually are when it comes to dashboard stuff and achievements and avatars so they don't really kind of exist on our other consoles today yeah but um a couple more pieces of uh information for microsoft stuff funny enough a lot of the news uh in this podcast has been about microsoft but um connect 2.0 is officially dead so um whether that's <laughs> for, for this ninth time or yeah <laughs> whether that's good or bad news for you i mean this kind of did hamper um a lot of what the launch of the uh, xbox one kind of was a lot of people found it as a negative for it to be bundled in there and kind of limit some software but you know it's it, the funny thing is is that when it officially went dead um, and no longer supported. A lot of people actually are out looking for some of the connection devices that are for the Xbox One, and they've kind of shot some of the value up for that adapter that is for the newer consoles up on eBay. So, what did we see in forens? Like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars for like a forty dollar part or something? Yeah, I think they were forty dollars retail, but yeah, they were going like two two fifty, which is absurd, right? Like, yeah. I hate to see that, but. Yeah, the kind of funny thing there is the the latest consoles, so your One S and your One X, uh, do not have Kinect ports. Um, and so the piece that we're talking about is there is an adapter. It's actually a lot of cables, and it looks almost like an AC adapter. You simply plug them into one side of the Kinect, and then the other one will go into the USB 3.0 on the back of the uh, consoles, and then you do have Kinect functionality again. So um, that was initially a $40 part. That is also discontinued, so with that kind of going down the drain, value is really high on them. Um, I, funny enough, I use my Kinect for a long time. I, I still use it for our Xbox upstairs for Skyping um, and doing some. We actually, some of our first videos were recorded with the Kinect. So uh, kind of shout out to them on, on that for allowing us to do that. But kind of funny news, I think Microsoft's finally abandoning it. Uh, what they mentioned on their social media part was that they are kind of discontinuing the Kinect altogether and that adapter altogether to kind of focus on other requested, uh, fan requested accessories. So. We'll see what that means um, in the long run, but you know, rest in peace, Connect. <laughs> yeah, I still use mine. Um, it's funny because everyone in the house here knows that they can talk to my Xbox. So, you know, if we're watching movies or doing whatever, they they start talking to it. My son actually has a hilarious time just saying "Hey Cortana" and then asking her random questions, just like you would like Alexa or something. So, it is. Uh, we've talked about it before. I think Microsoft had a really good idea with the connect and just like many of microsoft's um designs and things they do they just did not implement it in the marketplace well and so some people picked it up like us but for the most part it really wasn't very popular which is really hilarious now looking at um alexa and google home and all of these in-home assistants which essentially are just they're just you know a, a modern connect in 2017 2018 so it's kind of bizarre but anyway yeah, it's there no, I was going to say they're everywhere now. I mean, Google, your Google uh, Assistant is now a big thing. And um, Alexa, as you're talking about, is in everything. There's even some TVs that you can buy these days that have the Alexa embedded inside of it. Yep. You know, you can get the, just a little uh, the stuff you can get from Google Home, all this kind of stuff. They're everywhere now, and people are buying it. And, you know, Microsoft did that back in 2013. But to your point, they just never kind of 
communicate the product very well and then they don't implement it properly. I mean, I remember the uh, Connect was losing support already, you know, within two years of the console launch. So, yep. who knows? Okay, uh, last one. Oh, go ahead. No, I just said it is what it is. Nothing we can do about it now. Yeah. Moving along. Um, so next one, uh, the last piece of Microsoft news is Seamus Blackley did kind of uh, give us some details on the Duke controller. So if you have no idea what the Duke controller is, this launched on the original Xbox. It was the original fat, massive controller. I'll be putting up a picture of it on, on if you're watching it digitally on, on YouTube or whatever, you'll be able to see what that is. But this is a new controller. Um, it's going to be retailing for $69.99. We're looking at a March release for it. Um, so kind of some fun news. I actually showed off my uh, original Duke controller in one of our vidcasts probably, I don't know, two, three months ago when the announcement of it coming was originally talked about. But one of the things is it'll have a little LED screen in the middle where the uh, Xbox sticker was um, on the original uh, Duke controller. So some good news there. I'm pretty excited. I'll be pre-ordering right away just from a nostalgic point of view. Uh, not the most um, ergonomic controller that you could buy, but man, it's going to be cool to finally get it in our hands again. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one. Um, I love the Duke just because of the nostalgia it gives me of when I first got the Xbox, which for me meant I first got Halo. And because it's my favorite franchise ever, as I always joke behind me here, in case you couldn't tell, um, the Duke is just, uh, like you said, it's kind of monstrous. Uh, the thumbsticks are, uh, aren't the best. Uh, the black and white buttons and the button designs aren't the best, but it's just an awesome controller. And there's a really funny history behind it, too, why it's so big, some of the stories Seamus has told in the past of when they were promoting the original Xbox in Japan and how they had just caught so much flack for being so massive. Um, so I think, you know, I may do an article or something on that because I think it is an interesting piece of history, and it's pretty cool that uh seamus uh which he obviously should being one of the you know inventors of the original xbox uh received full microsoft approval to create this thing and uh i even saw on twitter yesterday phil spencer himself congratulating seamus on you know the official kind of launch date so i think it's good stuff all around it's just one of those cool stories to see in the video game industry yeah, we should probably do it. Like you mentioned, an article, do a video as well, because I, I, I think you have a Duke controller and a controller S, uh, so do I. It'd be kind of cool just to look back at them and maybe do some sizing on them and talk about how big it actually was. Yeah. I mean, you could beat someone down with that controller, which is which It's is a funny. monster. Yeah, and the, yeah. Reason, the reason why, real quick, is because the circuit board um, that, that had all the features that they wanted for the controller, they didn't have time, essentially, to make it smaller. So when they when they basically had this finalized circuit board for the controller, they couldn't fit it into a smaller model. And so it had to just be as big as it was. And they tried to sell it as, well, this is an American console made for people with bigger hands. It kind of became a big joke in the industry at the time. But we're going yeah. back, what, nearly 20 years at this point. So, yeah, it's been 20 years since the original Xbox. Almost. We're what, 17 this year, right? Yeah, 17. 2018. It's 2018 now. <laughs> Anyway, so some fun news there. I mean, um, it's uh, it's a lot. We were initially when the story broke, we were thinking it was going to be somewhere in the 140, 150 range because of what it was going to come with, and it was going to be extremely limited. So to see that price tag of 70 bucks, uh, we'll see what it's compatible with. Is if it's going to have some extra features, maybe Rumble now, maybe Bluetooth. I mean, uh, we'll hear more as 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 much as there's an official release versus just Seamus and everybody from Microsoft kind of propping it up. I'm sure we'll get a pre-order detail and stuff like that. So we'll hear more about it, but I'm pretty excited overall. 
So, all right. So uh, that kind of ends our major news. We did want to talk briefly on the Nintendo Direct, or as kind of the the joke of of the week after this happened was Nintendo Mini Direct. Um, a lot of people had uh, propped this up as it's going to be an amazing time for Nintendo to come out with all their news. Um, Ains and I have been kind of hesitant to kind of look at 2018 for a massive year for Nintendo, just because there's nothing really coming out that is super exciting us. And as we kind of expected, um, Nintendo Direct kind of did deliver almost nothing <laughs> as far as uh, substance and a big announcement of any sort. So let's kind of talk about the the big news that came from it and kind of the big games that we're expecting. We did get a lot of release dates that was kind of cool to kind of see when the stuff's actually coming out. Um, and then we did get a lot of uh, quarter releases. So something's coming out, like, for example, a Q2, Q3, Q4. Um, but Ains, what was your biggest announcement that you kind of saw and are most excited for, or maybe aren't excited for anything? What, what are your thoughts? As you said, there there wasn't a whole lot here that I got excited about, honestly. Um, kind of looking through the list here on my screen, and uh, you know, Dark Souls coming to the Switch. Um, I just want to give a shout out to us because we broke that rumor last month. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, it actually turned out to be true, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think Dark Souls coming to the Switch is really neat. You know, I love the original Dark Souls. It is uh, one of those games that is now, since it came out, what, probably nearly 10 years ago now, um, it has uh, can use a remastering, um, but also that uh, it's got one of those fan bases that just adores it. And so this was pretty big news to see it confirmed coming for the Switch. So that's pretty neat. Um, you know, we get a free update to Super Mario Odyssey next month. It's, it's rather small. It is what it is. Um, we're seeing things like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze be ported over as you, you know, we kind of uh, thought would happen. Right. And I think you even called that one, if I recall correctly, that we would probably see Tropical Freeze come over. See, I have it for the Wii U already. And so I don't really have any urge to buy it again for the Switch. But yeah, I mean, nothing too crazy here. I'm going to buy Dark Souls Remastered for the Xbox One X because it's already confirmed to run in 4K60 there. Whether or not I will buy it twice so that I can play it on the go, you know, on the Switch, I don't know. Um, but other than that, I hope that uh, Mario Tennis Aces is pretty good. I think we talked about that one before as well, and that the Mario Tennis games haven't been too good lately. So if this one actually offered a uh, not only fun, but kind of decent tennis experience, that would be pretty neat as well. Yeah, for me, me being the kind of the bigger Nintendo fanboy than you, I was extremely let down um, by, by the, the Nintendo Mini Direct. Um, I guess one of the biggest reasons is because everybody was hyping this up as we were going to get some amazing news, and sure enough, we didn't get really anything. Um, and kind of that brings us up, but we'll have probably an entire topic about it later, but a lot of the stuff that's coming out for the Switch are, are ports from the Wii U. Now, I guess this is great for people that never played the Wii U, but if you're kind of a hardcore fan in general of gaming in general, you probably had a Wii U and you probably played all the first-party software, and you've seen these games already. So the only enhancement or something that you're getting to this game is maybe if there was DLC that released, you're getting the complete edition. Um, for us that have that already, it's like, okay, uh, I've, I've already played this, so nothing new. Um, and the other, I guess, plus is you get to take it on the go. So what if you're a Switch owner and you don't take a lot of your games on the go, maybe only when you're a business traveler or maybe family traveling or somewhere, that's the only time you're going to play that. And even then you don't really get to play it too much. So kind of sad. Um, that we didn't really see anything. One thing that was kind of omitted from the announcement was the Yoshi game. This was supposed to be one of their big first-party games. We simply were told that it would come out in 2018. Uh, Metroid Prime was not given or even mentioned much of a, a release date at all. So that's another one that's kind of a surprise. We didn't hear about a new Smash. We didn't hear about a new Mario Kart. 
And if you're starting to see the trend here, this is a lot of the same recycled content that we get from Nintendo. We can always expect a, a new Mario Kart. We can always expect a new Mario, which we just got. We can always expect a new Zelda. We just got it. So as I'm kind of mentioning all these games, you know, what is 2018 going to really hold for first-party content? Um, and with that being said, some third-party announcements that um, are kind of surprising uh, from, I guess, content perspective. We know that we're getting Wolf 2 in 2018. It is going to be severely downgraded, as you can kind of expect. Um, we're also getting Payday 2, and that's actually coming up right around the corner. Um, I think it was uh, February, late February. Uh, what do we have? Yeah, February 27th, we're getting Payday 2. Um, I guess if that's uh, a big deal for you, I didn't really care for Payday or the entire series. Um, that could be good or bad for you. Well, and the one thing interesting about that, Bert, is that Payday 2 really only works as a good game when you're playing in co-op with a buddy. Right, um, yeah. And Nintendo, we had another Direct here. There's zero mention of their online service yet again. So, yep. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's actually, I, I hear that's delayed until late 2018, and I think um, that's speaking volumes for something that we're probably not going to see in 2018 again. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, another port that uh, we didn't mention yet is Hyrule Warriors. So if you've ever played the Dynasty Warrior games or anything like that, um, it's kind of the same thing. What they've done and on the Wii U game was take uh, Link, Zelda, so even Ganon was able to be played, and you play just big waves of armies. And that was actually a pretty good game from what I hear. I never played it. I was never a big fan of those games. Um, I did pick it up on the Wii U when it was clearanced out, um, but I have yet to even put it in the Wii U to play. So we'll see if that is... Um, Mario Tennis, you mentioned, that's only mentioned for spring. Um, and uh, another one is uh, that was, I guess, with their big first-party game, that's uh, an original first-party game, is the new Kirby game. And the date we have for the new Kirby game is March 16th. So if you've already played all the games that existed that are simply getting DLC, like Pockins, one of them is getting two different waves of DLC. Once again, another Wii U game that was ported to the Switch is simply getting new Pokemon to play with in the tournament battle. Um, we're not seeing anything massive from them unless you're getting super excited for the games that have already been ported from previous generations on the cro on the cross-platform side. So um, I don't know. The Nintendo uh, uh, big group of Nintendo fans, a lot of those people only play Nintendo consoles. They don't touch any PlayStation or Microsoft or anything along those lines. So they're getting a lot of these games for the first time. If you're like us, we, we play these games in general across all platforms, and there's not really too much new news to get excited for. Uh, but here's to keeping our fingers crossed. You know, um, E3 always kind of surprises us a little bit with Nintendo. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, kind of a letdown for Nintendo Direct. That happened this past week. Um, and a lot of us were extremely let down. Yeah, I don't I don't have much to add, honestly. Um, I was hoping for a little more. Uh, I was hoping to see Wolfenstein 2, as you mentioned, is coming out. But we really don't have any data or, or true information about it. Um, nothing from Metroid. Nothing from Smash Brothers. So it's... You know, no no real big kind of third-party announcement. I guess Bayonetta 3 was the one from the Game Awards, which was really the biggest. Um, you know, Dark Souls Remastered was considered a big third-party announcement, but to your point, you know, why, really? Um, it's a 8-, 9-, 10-year-old game. It's coming to all platforms, um, and it's, you know, going to be severely downgraded on the Switch compared to, uh, say, the Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro, of course. Um, in fact, I think they said in undocked mode, it's still going to run in 720p. So, you know, I don't know. I I'm, I like my Switch, but the hype around it, you know, I think it. we said this before, Zelda and Mario were so good um, that 2017, it really rode the uh, the wave of those two titles. But I don't know. I, 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 third party support is picking up, but really, you know, 
we're not seeing the third-party support in the same vein you see us on Xbox and PlayStation in that they're getting the new releases day and date. You know, we're seeing that, oh, they'll get a port of something that's already out or they're going to get it down the line. Um, so I don't know. We'll we'll see how that continues in 2018. We, we've kind of talked about this before, but nothing nothing too impressive out of this Direct. Yeah, one thing I did forget was the Mario and Rabbids game. That's already out. They are getting some DLC. It's going to be Donkey Kong as a playable character. And your trio of the game, we both ended up loving this game. This is actually an honorable mention um, for one of my games of the year. So I did love it. Um, I'm more interested to see what kind of content we're going to get for the game. So um, am I going to have to play the game all over again and now be able to choose Donkey Kong? Are we getting completely new content with new worlds? What's happening? That's also another weird one because when that game kind of ended, it, it left a little bit of a... Thing to play more of but a lot of the story was kind of over so what's going to be playable um but that's coming as well so um do we, have a, date? Do we have a date for that uh all it's all that was mentioned was spring okay so we don't have a hard date the only reason i ask because i really like that game i'm on i'm still relatively early in it but uh donkey kong's my favorite nintendo character so that may uh, have me going back to the game hopefully you can play him through the whole game yeah, I'm looking forward to see what his moves are in that game. I mean, um, I'm assuming he's going to be the bruiser type. So um, Yeah, we'll and then we'll probably involve a banana of some sort. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's probably going to happen. Anyways, we, we did go off on a tangent there on some other things, and uh, we'll probably mention that again. We did have a, a short video in the past talking about what we U-ports were coming over to the Switch, and uh, we'll probably talk more in general about the entire Switch uh, library and catalog and what we currently think about it, what will happen with it, et cetera. So you can kind of keep a look after that. Uh, let's move over to our next section and we'll talk really quick on this as uh, we don't really have a lot of um, uh, new releases, as I mentioned. So we're kind of bleeding some time from there into our other topics, but some developer updates. So kind of some interesting happened, uh, interesting thing happened in uh, social media slash uh, YouTube this week. Uh, there's a developer uh, for a game called Red Out. Now, if this is more, um, if you've played some Wipeout games or any of those racing kind of sci-fi games where you're shooting really quick, kind of like F-Zero, kind of a pioneered it back in the day. Um, Digital Foundry did a uh, kind of comparison for the play PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X to, for their enhancements that was recently released. Well, in their kind of uh, analysis with their tools and everything, they did find out that the Xbox One X was severely downgraded and was having some issues with frame rate as well as resolution. So when they published that video, a lot of fans were really upset about this and they were actually pinging the developer for Redout. So what ended up happening here is Redout did actually end up um, talking about suing Digital Foundry and some really negative uh, feedback did come on Digital Foundry. So we actually rely on Digital Foundry for a lot of the analysis for frame rate resolution, uh, what's a better running system. And Digital Foundry does this for not only home consoles, but they do it for PC. Um, and they even mess with TV settings and audio settings and stuff too. So they're kind of like the, the, the top as far as when it comes to that analysis tool um, for social media. So kind of a weird um, thing, uh, Digital Foundry hasn't really commented too much out of it. Um, there was an update to the description of the video saying that this is being analyzed again because a developer of Redout has actually said that this is incorrect, that their patch is correct on Xbox One X. Um, and they are reanalyzing the video. We'll be interesting to see if the lawsuit actually happens, if Digital Foundry amends their review. Um, but overall, very interesting um, to see this kind of happen and a developer kind of standing up for their content reviews their content with two different xbox one x's so interesting yeah it is and and really you know digital foundry is incredibly uh kind of precise and detailed right as you mentioned which uh a lot of the other people um 
or smaller outlets or just, you know, singular people that do this on YouTube aren't right. They just literally put two TVs next to each other and say, look, the uh, PlayStation 4 Pro one runs better or looks better, um, which is uh, going to be interesting because if some of those uh, smaller outlets get millions of views on these uh, on these kind of hacked up videos that really go into no detail and a developer like red out is going to threaten a bigger company because digital foundry is part of Eurogamer, right which is then part of a larger conglomerate so that lawsuit could be pretty large depending on what they find um but it just goes to show that you know it may kind of caution some smaller outlets from doing these comparison videos especially if they're doing them from a fanboy perspective to try and you know push an opinion um so i don't know it's kind of interesting i think this is one in this falls into that camp of uh, with everything being on social media and online nowadays, how do we work out a legal perspective when, you know, companies disagree? So I guess we'll see. Yeah. Another cool thing about Digital Foundry or I guess Knuckle, whatever you want to look at, it, but they uh, they have a video that's probably about three, four years old on their on their videos on YouTube that you can look up and it's um it talks about how do they do their analysis. And what they actually do, they have a tool that runs their resolution. They get a video, they run that video or that content that they're grabbing, excuse me, from the console, and they actually run it through that tool. So it's not like, you know, me and you uh, getting on that tool and saying, oh, we really like the 1X a lot more than the PlayStation 4. Um, and let's say that this one's only running at 30 frames per second versus 45 or 60 or something. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. And um, hopefully both parties can come to an amicable agreement and they can kind of move on from it and it doesn't happen again. Or maybe they sent the wrong uh, patch or there was an issue with the Xbox One enhancement patch. Who knows? But hopefully we'll find out more. Um, some interesting news from 343. Is you want to talk about that one? Yeah, real quick. Uh, no real big news, but notice that 343 Industries was hiring more than 20 new positions. And so, you know, again, just speculation. But does that mean that they're uh, taking longer to develop Halo 6 and adding some larger features to it? Could this be related to um, them fixing Master Chief Collection once and for all throughout 2018 and beyond? Uh, could it be another project? We don't really know. But um, for a company, usually you'll see one or two positions being posted and there's people of course that are always watching this for the major development companies but when you see something like over 20 positions being hired at once from a company like 343 obviously something is happening right they're not hiring 20 plus people for no reason so uh kind of interesting but uh you know someone asked me the other day um are we getting halo 6 this year as if i'm supposed to know of course <laughs> um but it is interesting that we haven't heard anything about it um, you know, here we are in 2018, supposedly the year when, in which Halo 6 would release, and we haven't heard a single thing out of 343. So um, it's going to be an interesting year. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I like to see this because they are the Halo studio. So no matter what, it means that they're working on something. So uh, I get excited just seeing this. Yeah. And then another cool thing, I mean, as if people haven't forgotten, or maybe you have forgotten, um, we are supposed to be getting enhancements for the Master Chief Collection. Um, and that should be amazing when that does come out. I mean, uh, if you're a Halo fan right now, it's a good time to be a Halo fan. So much content and you haven't played Halo 5 with their enhancements. Wow, that's a game that has aged very well with an enhancement. It looks beautiful. But um, let's go ahead and talk about the one story of fake news this week. So we, we've been kind of down on rumors and fake news in general. Um, this is one that actually caught me by surprise because Ains did correct me on it and ended up being not true. So I'll, I'll talk about what happened, where it's coming from, and then Ains, you can kind of let us know what happened after the follow-up on it. But uh, the big news here is there was a tweet that happened from John Cadera. If you have no idea who that is, he's the new uh, head of Sony. 
um, for the, the, the PlayStation brand, and, and he's kind of the new person that has just joined the team. Uh, there was a new Twitter account that ended up showing up, and it was apparently him tweeting regarding uh, games as a service. So games as a service is kind of a big topic in 2017 as far as our games going that way. Our multiplayer games kind of where a lot of developers really focusing on with all the EA fallout and all that stuff that happened. Well, the uh, response from him on Twitter after he, his account was created was, um, no, we're not big fans of games as a service. We do want to make sure that people are uh, focusing on single player games just as much as games as a service. And he's going to be dedicated and doing his best to make sure that Sony remains that way. So after that kind of went out, a lot of people were reassured that um, Sony as, as an overall brand is not going to be pushing games as a service over single player games and forgetting about the single player experience. But to our surprise, what was it, Ains? It was not true. <laughs> yeah, this is a really interesting one because a uh, Twitter account popped up. It looked authentic. Um, he made a couple comments about uh, Sony's profile. And this, as you said, is the uh, new CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, which, of course, is over the PlayStation brand. And so he quickly gained thousands and tens of thousands of followers. Um, you know, for people in the games industry. And about a day or two later, it kind of came out, the head of Sony, the, the head of all of Sony came out and said, this is probably fake. Um, so it kind of caught everyone off guard. Whoever pulled this off, I uh, was probably laughing, you know, like crazy about it, but um, definitely fooled a lot of people. But apparently it was just someone doing that and talking about games of service and just, you know, filling, uh, filling Twitter with nonsense. So. Yeah, so you can label this one, guys, under false. It was not a real thing. Um, it's it, not even a rumor anymore, being that there's, you know, rumors aren't really true or false yet. This is confirmed fake. Uh, we don't really have any information from Kadera at all regarding what his viewpoint is on games as a service. Uh, let's hope in general um, all consoles, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft, are moving into a shared um, mentality when it comes to games as a service and single-player games still getting what they deserve in, in the industry. So... We'll see what happens as this does come through. This has been kind of a, a big topic for 2017. We actually had a story on games as a service as well, or I should say a, a season gaming conversation with myself, uh, Ames, and Jordan, um, which uh, we enjoy doing. So hopefully we hear some better stuff about it for 2018. But um, so our next section that we really talk about is uh, new releases and kind of what we're currently playing. Um, as is usual for the start of any year, January is a very light month for releases, and we really have no new releases for the first couple of weeks of January. Uh, there was a few little DLC things that happened in late December, but we don't really need to talk about them because they're for smaller games that um, aren't really uh, highly played or anything along those lines. But we did want to talk about some games that are coming at the end of this month. Um, I'll talk really quick about Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Um, that is coming out in the next two weeks on January 26th. Um, it's kind of the Dragon Ball Z fighting game that a lot of people have been waiting for for a while after seeing the footage at E3, which was kind of when it was mentioned. Um, we saw gameplay, and they've been leaking about one or two characters about every other week that are still joining the roster. So if you're a Dragon Ball Z fan in general, if you'd like a fighter, this is probably going to be right down your alley. Um, and there's, I think, three different versions of the game, including the collector's edition. You might want to grab that as far as a pre-order goes. If you're just looking for the standard, just wait for it to come out. Don't pre-order, but it looks awesome. So can't wait to join Zane's in the lobby and just tear them up. So I am hugely excited be, for this one. Can't wait. It's going to be big. Super Saiyan, <laughs> Super Saiyan 3, right? Right? <laughs> I don't even know what you just said. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll just touch on this other one. It's a real small one um but i did want to mention it just because i'm a big fan of the studio and the game looks amazing and that is full metal furies um it's a game from um 
cellar door games who made rogue legacy one of my favorite uh 2d games kind of roguelike games in the past several years uh, this one they've been working on for a long time. If you like those kind of old school uh, four player on the same screen action games, if you think uh, Golden Axe or Castle Crashers or Streets of Rage, or those types of games, um, it's like that with some RPG elements. It looks really, really well done. Um, so like I said, that's full Metal Furies. We do have an article and trailer on our site for it, but look it up if uh, you're a fan of those types of games. Ah, no, still doesn't. No, no uh, memories. Is your mic okay? Is it broken? Yeah, we're having some issues with okay. technology here. All right. Let's go ahead and move <laughs> on. Uh, moving on. So, all right. So, what are we playing right now? So, I've actually been stuck in uh, Origins. Uh, I did have this as one of my uh, notable games uh, for 2017 because I think at the time we were doing that video, I was only about 10 hours into the game. Unfortunately, Assassin's Creed does suffer from that kind of nasty bug of the first. I don't know, four or five, six hours of the game is really slow and doesn't pace very well. But the second you get over the first starting tutorial sides and I guess the main mission when it kind of even mentions Assassin's Creed Origins for the first time, it's turning out to be one of the best games of 2017 in my opinion. So I am now, gosh, 30, 35 hours into it and I'm, I'm loving it, especially with me being a big uh, Egypt guy in general. I do like the history there and everything. It's, it's blowing me away with the details and um, funny enough, the first Assassin's Creed with no bugs whatsoever. Um, I did have a couple times where my game uh, was running and all of a sudden it went and then it would just kick right back up like nothing stopped. So I, it was kind of strange, but um, amazing game. I'm loving it and it's kind of taking up a ton of my time. I'm still doing some PUBG socially with people. And funny enough, I went back to Forza 7 and I'm trying to finish every single race in the campaign or I guess the driver cups that exist in there. And uh, some of those races are so damn long. I can't believe I did 20 laps of uh, the Norse life, which took forever. But I got it done. Um, and hopefully I'll finish that game and kind of put it away for a while um, and leave that alone. The last one that I'm playing is Evil Within 2. I have that installed. I started the menu screen and I was like, I can't do another third person game right now. So I went back to Origins. But um, what about you, Ains? What are you playing? <laughs> Uh, ninety percent, ninety-five percent of my time has been spent playing PUBG. Um, I haven't had a ton of free time lately; been working on a lot. But when I do have time, I'm usually playing PUBG, whether that is with you guys and some buddies, or I've played a lot of solo as well. Um, it's actually a very interesting game when you play solo because it gives you this really weird sense of um, of calm when you're kind of wandering around the world because it's a very big map. And then, like I said uh, in our best of 2017 video it goes from calm to sheer terror as soon as you see someone or engage with someone so it's uh i don't know what it is about the game but it's just highly addicting so most of my time's been spent there other than that i did start witcher 3 again go figure um the xbox one x enhancement for it is excellent and um been playing that at, at you know much higher resolution and it's fantastic and i'm just kind of the game is so long, uh, especially with DLC, and I played it now a while ago that there's a lot of it I actually don't remember. So I'm doing quests I don't remember, even though I did them before, um, which is kind of neat. So playing that. And like you said, uh, the other game I do play when I get free time is Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, you kind of touched on all of it. It's a fantastic game. It's gorgeous. It's probably, I think, I would say up there with maybe the top three be most beautiful games on the Xbox One X. It's really stunning to look around that world. Um, but uh, just a great game as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things I want to be playing, but just due to lack of time and me being addicted to PUBG, I really haven't gotten to them. Yeah, yeah, and Assassin's Creed, funny enough, you're mentioning Witcher, it's kind of the closest game that has come as close to Witcher 
um, as far as the world and the missions and the way it plays to Witcher. So I thought that was pretty cool. And in some ways, Assassin's Creed does a few things better than Witcher, but the problem with Assassin's Creed that uh, I don't think anything will ever touch Witcher is the actual missions, the characters, the side quests, something as small as meeting some lady out in the forest somewhere, turn into an amazing mission in Witcher. Whereas a lot of Assassin's Creed missions that are side quests are very forgettable and a uh, very kind of side quest, fetch quest type thing that I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with. But the big missions are still fantastic and um, the world that they built and the detail they put into the game has literally blown me away in many instances. Yeah, and one comment real quick on Forza 7. So you said that some of those races are really long. Um, there was a guy who posted on Reddit uh, on the Forza sub that um, I believe, and I may not have this correct, I want to go back and look, but he did a thousand laps of the Nürburgring. Um, and basically something like 138 hours it took or something. I'd have to go back and look, but it was something astronomical. And he basically did it just to see like, you know, what the caps were on experience and credits and some other things. So if you want to talk about uh, pure endurance, that must have been just, uh, <laughs> uh, to me, that sounds like a nightmare, but that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Did that. No, I was struggling at 20 laps too because the Norwich Life is a very long track. And so if you play the entire Norwich Life, you're not only doing the GP circuit, but the entire um, Nürburgring uh, as well. So that's that's a long time. I think my race took me about an hour and 40 minutes after I finished everything because you're not racing in a super fast car. Um, but there is some longer uh, races like with some faster cars. There's one that's called, I think, 300 laps, um, no, 300 miles, which equates to I think 40 laps with like maybe uh, a Corvette C6R or something like that. And and that's going to take you about two hours or something. And one of the unfortunate things that is in Forza that I don't like is they don't have the safe feature in the middle of a race, um, which is something that's really big, like in the F1 games and the dirt games. Um, you can actually play a long race. And if you need to take a break, go lunch, maybe you got to do something with family, whatever, you can actually save mid-race. And then when you come back, you can pick up right where you left off. So I wish that Forza would do that for their longer races. It would make it a lot more attainable for a lot of people versus just sitting there and hitting the pause button and having to go somewhere and come back. So yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay. So that's kind of everything that's currently happening is like I mentioned, no big new releases for this time of the year. Uh, that's currently what we're playing and we still have a ton of stuff in backlog. We actually had a funny video that um, I posted in, in our Facebook group. I ended up getting mafia three this week as a super discounted sell and it went straight into the shelf and I probably won't open it for a long time. So the backlog is strong in our lives and, uh, <laughs> We'll see if it continues to just get bigger and bigger. So, all right, well, let's talk about our main topic today. And if you're just joining us from the main topic uh, that we dissect from our big bitcast, thanks for joining us. But um, the topic we have today, and we briefly touched on it in our last special bitcast, or, bit, or I should say bitcast special, was, was 2017 the best game, or sorry, the best year in games that we've had for a very long time, if not the best ever. Um, so we're going to kind of discuss that. Uh, the kind of year that we're talking about in competition for 2017 is 2007. So I'm going to kind of be representing the 2017 side. Ains is going to talk a little bit more about the 2007 side. We're not really going to argue. We're just going to kind of, well, I guess we're going to argue in a positive side. We're not going to, you know, <laughs> this is, this is, this is no argument. This is T-ball. Yeah, Two, that's right. This is just 2007 already has it won. So, I mean, we can. We can yeah, that's right. So when we look, well, uh, we are going to talk about how the industry has changed a bit too, to to kind of like make it almost unfair. We almost have to have a little bit of a um, a handicap for 2007 in the sense to where the way games are made now and the industry has changed a lot in the past 10 years. So, 
Ains, why don't you talk to us about 2007, why you think it may have been the best year in games, and then I'll kind of give my two cents of 2017. Yeah, so for uh, for a number of years now, 2007 has been looked back upon as like the greatest game for video games ever, uh, for very good reason, uh, which I remembered a lot of the big titles, but when I went back and did some research, I was even I was shocked at just how many franchises and titles that we still know today or play today started or hit their stride in 2007. So it's going to be a little hard, I think, for 2017 because while we got a, a, a ton of amazing titles, right? We, we really don't know. We don't have the benefit of experience of having a decade since those games launched. So we don't know where those franchises will go just yet. Um, but when you look back at 2007, so I've got a list here. I won't go through all of them. Maybe we can kind of go back and forth a little bit. Um, but I'll just start with, you know, some of the bigger ones. So right at the top, one of my favorite top three favorite games of all time. It's almost always on the list of top 10, you know, games of all time. Um, it is still, in my opinion, the game that created the best video game world or environment of any video game ever in history. And that is Bioshock. So Bioshock came out in the fall of 2007 or uh, it might have been earlier 2007, but regardless, came out in 2007. Um, like I said, it is still remembered today, still played today. The Bioshock collection is still being sold, and Bioshock 1 is the main title in that collection that people play. Um, it is just hard to top Bioshock. Um, and that, you know, that's our kind of first entry in 2007 of a very long list in front of me here. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's been really hard for me in general to kind of um, argue that because Bioshock for the longest time has been my favorite game of ever, um, of, of any generation. And it's I've probably played through Bioshock probably literally five times. Um, and I've even thought about playing it again with the remaster that came out um, for both of the consoles right now. So it's really hard to touch. But to kind of argue it in 2017, you got to go with uh, your game of the year, which is Prey. So <laughs> if you're going to kind of go against it and what was the comparison as far as games in 2017, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing as a first person game. And it's more of like, um, does it kind of bring you into that world and kind of make you feel like you're there? Does the world that created uh, the only other game that I can kind of think about that gives that kind of um, uh, feeling when you're in there is Dead Space and the original Dead Space kind of does it. But I think first person kind of gives you that better experience as well. So I don't know. Um, it's uh, and kind of what I was mentioning earlier, the way games are done. So back in 2007, there wasn't as many games out in general. So those big standout games, and we'll talk more about those, stood out even bigger because um, that's when, funny enough, there was only like one or two times of the year where the AAA games kind of came out and you waited for those times of the year and then there was a drought in the year and then you could catch up on your backlog a lot easier back then. Um, now in 2017, 2018, there's games being released year round that are all AAA and are considered people's game of the year. You look at this year's game of the year, you got Horizon that launched at the beginning of the year. Um, you've got uh, Nier Automata that launched at the beginning of the year. I mean, you can keep going down the list of stuff that happened. So kind of crazy year round games now that are AAA and considered people's favorite of all time. Yeah, yeah. And so to your point, um, when I looked back at this list, and like I said, we'll go through more of these games, but they really are huge standalone games you know there was uh steam was kind of ramping up but you know nothing compared to what it was today um xbox live arcade was still yet to really kind of take off or, or come to fruition in that sense um playstation 3 had only launched a year prior and wasn't doing well playstation 3 did not do well in its early couple of years 
Um, so very different uh, environment, like you said. But continuing with this list of amazing games from 2007. So Portal, the original Portal came out back when Valve uh, used to make games, <laughs> um, which I know, you know, they... That's a whole nother conversation, but Portal uh, is one of those games that, again, spawned a um, a huge fan base. Uh, the whole cake is a lie meme and phrase is still kind of joked about today. Um, Portal 2 obviously came out and was a massive hit. And, um, you know, looking back in 2007, Portal is just another one of those um Another one of those games that came out in 2007 and started something that has lasted since. Uh, and then I'll go ahead and just throw another one out there. So the original Rock Band. Now, Rock Band and Guitar Hero, as we remember, um, were some of the biggest games in the world for a long period of time. Uh, the original Rock Band came out in 2007, kind of changed the way that Guitar Hero had done with just more of the guitar playing and turned it into really like a, a co-op affair, right? So you had the whole Rock Band. And that became a cultural phenomenon for several years after that point. In fact, people still break out their rock band collections today and, and play those with friends. So 2007, the year that that took off as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm one of those people that still <laughs> pull it out. And, um, you know, rock band, there's I think there was three that ended up launching on the consoles eventually. And we recently had a part four that came out. And I think that brought a lot of people back into people's living rooms. You could do it online, uh, but it didn't. It wasn't definitely as fun, and um, you know that was kind of the best thing ever. And Guitar Hero was only a two-person game before that, and so when you got Rock Band to come together, um, was kind of a, a crazy thing. And then came the the kind of a uh, contest between um, uh, Rock Band and Guitar Hero. They kind of uh, broke off and did two very different things, and they're still kind of competed against. But I did want to touch on um, some games that you talked about also back with Portal. I mean. Funny thing about Portal, it wasn't even a standalone release. It was just um, a, a game that they added to the end. It was almost like a technical demo to the Orange Box. Yeah, I'm getting there. Kind of, I'm getting there. Which was kind of a different thing. So I'll, <laughs> I'll let you get back to my answer. Hey, I, um, I can't throw all the ammunition out at once. i got to pace myself here. <laughs> true. But I ended up... Um, I ended up liking Portal the most out of all the orange box in that entire game. Um, so that was kind of a crazy thing. And Portal 2, that was not a 2007 release, is still known in many people's, um, uh, I guess, dictionary as the best game of last generation. It's not ours, but it's I would say it's in the top five uh, best played games of last generation. So, But um, uh, really quick to talk about 2017. Um, you know, the one thing I can mention about it is Nintendo had kind of the biggest resurgence slash uh, reboot of their brand in general. You have Zelda, which was something we waited for a long time for, and Mario, whenever you put those two together, uh, you're gonna have an amazing library to start out with, and it's kind of crazy to happen in their first year. We'll see if they can kind of have a resurgence in the following years, as we talked about earlier in our BitCast, but those are some of the two highest rated games ever um, as far as scores go. And they have amazing sales numbers as well, considering that it's for a uh, console that just launched in the same year. So that's kind of stuff to tell you about 2017. What else you got? What's, what else you got in 2007? <laughs> Yeah, see, see, you. I, I think too soon, Junior, on that on that one. I think you might have just pulled out your two big guns for 2017 in advance. I got more. And, and now I, I can more. fire back. Uh, 
I can't argue with that. 2017, you know, especially we've talked about Mario Odyssey. We both adore that game. It is fantastic. Probably one of the best Mario games ever. I'm sure some people would argue it is the best ever. Uh, Zelda, I'm not as big of a fan of as we talked about. It was your game of the year. It's I think it's probably the game of the year for the majority of publications and considered one of the best Zeldas ever. Um, so I can't really argue those. I will go back to 2007, though, when at the time, the what's considered again one of the greatest mario games ever is super mario Gal Ga galaxy yeah galaxy released um so that at the time received pretty much straight tens i mean i think almost everywhere right it kind of reinvented mario at the time uh it really was the game that put uh cemented the wii as um you know a, a platform that could have that triple a mario experience and uh, I think, you know, why Odyssey has done that for the Switch, Galaxy did that in 2007 for the Wii. Um, so let me talk about some of the franchises that started in 2007 that are still either being made today or have really been some of the greatest. Actually, I think all of these are still being made today. And they are some of the greatest franchises in gaming and have turned into some of the best selling franchises ever. So the original Uncharted for PlayStation 3 launched in 2007. Uh, we're both huge Uncharted fans. And, uh, you know, Uncharted 4 came out last year to, to very high critical praise. Lost Legacy came out this year as a spinoff. And uh, I think that's a franchise we'll continue to see out of the Sony side for a long time. Assassin's Creed launched in 2007. We were just talking about Assassin's Creed Origins and how good it is. Um, that franchise started in 2007. Uh, Mass Effect, one of our favorite trilogies of all time. We won't talk about Andromeda. Actually, you know what? We will talk about Andromeda because that was 2017. So I think we just closed it right there. The original Mass Effect represents 2007. Andromeda represents 2017. There, we're done. We don't have to talk anymore about it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about um, Bioshock, Assassin's Creed, Mass Effect, Uncharted, and uh, a little smaller, but Dirt, the Dirt Racing franchise and Witcher, Witcher One, all started as franchises in 2007. Yep. Um, damn. See, <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty good stuff you, to, to combat. I can't against. see it on the camera, but I just slammed a domino on the desk here. Can't. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> What's even funnier is Dirt is probably the best um, uh, off-roading type rally game that you can play on any console right now. It's kind of where Colin McRae ended up evolving into, but. Yep. Yeah, and there's, there's. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm sure you have more ammo coming, so I'll, I'll let you oh, go. I've, yeah. I've still, I've still got some big boys. I've got yeah. them in the pocket. Here. Yeah, I mean, the, all the other stuff I'll tell you about. So I, I think another uh, interesting thing is, so when you talk about Sony games, this was kind of Sony PlayStation 4's biggest year for exclusives. Um, I do talk about how Sony was not always a leader in exclusives, whether it be last generation or even this generation. Um, they were never leading until this year. So you have Horizon Zero Dawn, which is another big game that um, is not only game of the year for some people, but it's kind of what started the conversation of exclusives for Sony in 2017. Um, brand new uh, IP, brand new character that, as you mentioned earlier in this conversation, is probably going to be one of the main uh, exclusive characters for Sony. They're going to keep that going. And we just had some DLC release that kind of brought the conversation back again to Horizon Zero Dawn. We have a couple other uh, yeah, exclusives that came from Sony that people liked. Like I said, Nier was kind of a Japanese game that's kind of bringing stuff back into the American side of the Japanese games that people have kind of stayed away from. It kind of touches on that. But a lot of people have thought that was kind of one of their um, big games. 
Um, something else that has been kind of a big story was the XCOM gameplay type story is coming back. XCOM 2 did released. Um, and then they also had some DLC that came out that a lot of people think is even better than the main game. So that being said, the favorite game for a lot of the PC uh, crowd is Divinity. Um, Original Sin 2, which is known as one of the best games of all time, if not some people's favorite game of all time in any generation. I have actually never played that series, but I have watched a lot of video on it, and it does look amazing, and the stuff that has gone into that game has been kind of crazy. So I know you touched on it, too, and it was one of your honorable mentions, but, I mean, I got more coming. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't, don't, yeah. don't brace yourself for that too much. Yeah, so I think Horizon's a good example of when I said, um, you know, we don't know, we don't have the benefit of experience of 10 years from this year when Horizon launched, right? Because for all we know, Horizon could be the next Uncharted franchise for the PlayStation. Um, and 10 years from now, we could be looking back saying in 2017, Horizon launched and look what it spawned. You know, it spawned three AAA sequels and a movie and who knows. Um, so I think that's that's kind of tough to... to um, you know, compare, but Horizon, amazing game. My second favorite game of the year, like you mentioned. Um, I know it's up there for you as well. Divinity Original Sin 2. I think I mentioned before I played part one. I haven't played part two. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. So again, yeah, fantastic games all around. And I think what's funny is about us talking about this really is we're not even really arguing because all we're talking about are some of the best games ever made uh, just across two different generations, really, in two different decades. So it's kind of crazy. Um, so let me talk about a couple games that, well, one game that started a new franchise. So one thing that did start in 2007, which we don't hear about now, but which was huge for a number of years was Crisis. Crisis launched in 2007 and kind of turned the PC world upside down at the time because it launched, uh, with its own engine, CryEngine, and it represented a graphical capability that was completely unmatched at the time. Um, it really like set a new standard, a new bar for what games could look like back in twenty and two thousand seven. Excuse me. And so um, it's kind of interesting now to look back at the history of Crisis and the, and that development team and the engine and what it was used for. But it's pretty neat to say that the original Crisis and when that you know kind of blew the market up with with its graphical capabilities was two thousand seven as well. But then two other big franchises that hit their stride that we're still playing today as well and still looking forward to. In fact, we were just talking about them. So. God of War 2 came out in 2007. So God of War came out uh, prior, but really, again, it was uh, God of War 2 where it really hit its stride and it really became that AAA franchise for the PlayStation. And then on the Microsoft side, Forza 2, Forza Motorsport 2 came out in 2007. Uh, we've talked before about when Forza Motorsport first came out and kind of gave some competition to Gran Turismo at the time, but it was Forza 2, just like God of War 2, where it really hit its stride. You know, it really had more tracks, a ton more cars. It had um, a higher level of detail on the uh, on the cars and the tracks. And it just, it was like uh, more of a fuller product. So when you look back on um, the franchises, both of them, God of War 2 and Forza 2 were some of the most uh, kind of memorable within those franchises. And like we said, we're still playing them today, right? We were just talking about Forza 7. Uh, we're looking forward to Forza Horizon 4. And then God of War, uh, kind of the reboot that's coming this year for the PlayStation 4 is one of our anticipated titles as well. So neat to look back on those. 
Yep. Yep. And as you're mentioning, it's, it's, we can keep going back and forth with titles, but I, I did want to mention one thing that's been kind of interesting in this generation, but this year really is when they kind of started hitting and it's the remaster world that we kind of exist in today. It's not as if the uh, Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 struggle with sales. I think at the end of the day, they each came close to about 80 million each, if not a little bit over 80 million uh, each. We're seeing a ton of remasters that have come out in 2017. So a few things to kind of uh, keep in mind. So the most recent Arkham series did come out as a remaster. LA Noir came out as a remaster. Um, we have uh, other games like Angel's Favor got Shovel Knight did come out as a remaster. No. <laughs> Sorry, I just no. I had to throw that in there. That was just good. <laughs> you know, it was too good. Uh, Starcraft, if you're a PC player, the original Starcraft saw a remaster, and it was reviewed very, very well. I think it's the second or third highest reviewed PC game of uh, 2017. But not only remasters, we did see a bunch of reboots, and this was one that we both kind of uh, – Felt bad looking back on our, our, our uh, BitCast special last week or two weeks ago was Resident Evil 7. Um, we did see that as a complete reboot in the way it plays. It's the first one that plays in first person mode and then is done extremely, extremely well. Um, I think if I, <laughs> if I played that game again, it would probably be right at the top of my games again. It was so well done and I didn't even get to play it on the enhanced console yet, which is something that I'm really uh, looking to do after I play some of my games that I, I really can't wait for. Um, and, then, and then we had Cuphead. So I think that was something that we've been waiting for for years. It's one of the, I think it is the highest reviewed game for Xbox One this year, despite some other really good games that were reviewed like Forza. So uh, big year for remasters and, um, and reboots that we're kind of looking forward to. I, and I mentioned Nier Automata a couple times, but that's almost a reboot to a universe that exists. A lot of people didn't know there was a Nier um, in the last generation. This does not pick up right off that story, but there's also a game that came before Nier that is part of that universe, and this does bring it up to kind of current times as well. So 2017, a lot of surprises, a lot of definitive editions, a lot of remasters um, for games that we can all say are some of our favorites of all time. Yeah, you have some good points. I'll give you those. I'll give you those. I... I... <laughs> I don't, I don't appreciate you throwing Cuphead in there at the end. You know, I know where you were going with that. You're trying to go straight to my yeah. heart. Um, <laughs> no, I agree with all those. Um, it's kind of neat. Uh, you know, I think you and I mentioned before, at, to some point we get a little fed up with some of the remasters, but when you're talking about some of our favorite games and the remasters are done really well, um, where they really take the time to, to bring them up to, you know, modern day or modern spec. Um, and we're seeing some of the best ones on like the Xbox One X and PlayStation 4 Pro which is pretty neat in 2017 as well, right? So L.A. Noir being a perfect example. It's I love that game. It's neat that we kind of got a, a definitive edition that's then further enhanced even more for the Xbox One X, so pretty neat. Um, all right, let's go to... Uh, I don't want to take forever on this topic because we've already said that 2007, based on the whole Mass Effect thing, already won. Um, so <laughs> so let's bring out the big boys, right? Two, two, two more big ones to go here. Um, Halo 3. Halo 3 came out in 2007, and whether or not you like Halo as a franchise is completely irrelevant. It is the game, um, whereas Halo, the original uh, Combat Evolved back in 2001, fundamentally changed what it meant to be a first-person shooter on a console. Halo 3 did it again in 2007. It not only fundamentally changed what it meant to have a first-person shooter on a, uh, on a console, but it brought competitive gaming to the forefront of um, consoles. You know, competitive gaming was relatively small at the time. 
It was mostly PC only. There really wasn't anything modern to do with competitive gaming and consoles. Well, Halo 3 combined with Major League Gaming changed that. It became a nationally known event. Uh, it spawned a generation of gamers who you know, wanted to grow up playing shooters and playing at a pro level on the shooter arena. And that lasted for years. Halo 3 is the best-selling Halo title out of the entire series. It's one of the best-selling exclusives of all time. It is still so fondly remembered that it was a huge announcement just a few weeks ago, here we are 10 years later, that Major League Gaming and 343 are teaming up for the Halo Championship Series in 2018 again. And that became big news because people so fondly remember what it meant to uh, Halo and, and Major League Gaming back in 2007. So it was the game you saw TV commercials for. And, you know, er, obviously the web was a little different back then, but you saw everything on the web about it. Uh, the legendary edition that came with the Master Chief helmet, which is right above me here, still sits on people's shelves today. It was the number one, you know, kind of the change the way you thought about collector's editions or collectibles. It was just the game and when that game launched it was a cultural phenomenon um so anyway i i don't think there's a game and i've got two like i said and you know what they are but i i don't think there's a game i could point to that is was as culturally significant especially for an extended time uh in 2017 that could match halo 3. now you have a good point there and i mean when you think of the um the online stuff that came from that i mean it's I think arguably a lot of people go back between Halo 2 and Halo 3 as which one was the best shooter. I mean, we have some funny uh, old friends that used to say Halo 3 was the pinnacle. But um, uh, Actually, what's funny, because I'm such a huge Halo fan, I am not the biggest Halo 3 fan. I just said all that about Halo 3. Um, it was not my favorite. Um, but in the Halo community, I can tell you for a fact that Halo 3 is, if you had took a poll, it would be the one considered the top. Yep. Yeah, tough. But um, I got a couple last things, and then we'll wrap this thing up. And I, I do have the the dagger that I'll, I'll say till the end, <laughs> but uh, the real dagger. But um, a couple of the things that were kind of remade completely um, that were big in 2017, um, the Crash Bandicoot trilogy. We didn't talk about that one too much, and that was kind of a lot of people were going nuts about that. That should be, is Crash coming back with an all-new original game? This was a remake, not a remaster, so completely new. Um, stuff was added to the game as far as graphics and content and how that played. But here comes the dagger. I want you to sit down and, and wait for this one because it's going to sting. It's really going to sting. So uh, you forgot about Skyrim. Oh, my God. We, we, got, we got Skyrim again in uh, 20, 2017. And uh, we also got Doom back on uh, 2016 for the Switch. So that'll kind of uh, make you sit down. I know you were kind of going on a high there about Halo. Oh, my God. But we got that in 2017. And uh, with those being the best games of all time, and the Switch now at the top, I think we're good to go. Wow. wow. That's all you got, huh? The Xbox One <laughs> X enhancement for Witcher 3 is more important than Skyrim. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, anyways, um, man, um, yeah, two great years. I mean, it's a... Uh, I've, I've got one. I've got one big... I've got the biggest one yet. So let, let me stop you just to, to put the kind of anvil down on top of this whole conversation. Call of Duty 4, uh, Modern Warfare, 2007. So just like I said about Halo, the same can be said about Call of Duty 4. Uh, it is the game that, again, changed the first-person shooter genre. Halo was it back then. 
Call of Duty came along, kind of changed. Um, I mean, Call of Duty 2 was popular, 3 was okay, 4 changed everything. And it is it was remastered. We were just talking about remasters, right? It was remastered in, in 2017 and brought back. But it was the game at the time that um, sold millions and millions of copies. It became a cultural phenomenon. It eventually overtook Halo 3 on Xbox Live as the number one most played title. And since Call of Duty 4 came out, and then Modern Warfare 2 later, Call of Duty has been the top franchise in gaming. Um, in fact, uh, my cat here is going to join us to confirm this point. Right? 2007, right? Yeah, I know. I tried to tell him. Um, I actually saw him coming in the reflection of one of your frames. It was hilarious. <laughs> Sorry about that. But anyway, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare was also 2007. To think looking back on the first person shooter genre which is probably the most popular genre in gaming right now and has been for years that halo 3 and call of duty 4 came out in the same year within just what a month or two apart is uh kind of staggering really and call of duty as we know is the you know the most played game in the world uh halo is still up there so i mean just what those two franchises have done for gaming in the past decade is uh, i don't know i'd say it's untouchable it's you know I don't know what else to say about it, really. I think that's kind yeah. of the hammer. No, no, I think uh, I think that was a good discussion. The funny thing is we just got the remake for Modern Warfare last year. Uh, sorry, two years ago, in 2016. Um, was it 16? Actually, I thought it was 17, yeah. funny enough. I did, too. That was Infinite Warfare, though, when it came right. bundled. And this right, year we got right. World War II. So, um, but that was close. I mean, the remake, man, if you haven't played the remake, it's, it's almost a whole new game, and it looks beautiful. So yeah. um, some good stuff there. But, yeah, it's uh, as, as we mentioned at the start, and this was more of a back and forth just to kind of have the discussion, but it's really hard to compare the two of them. I think if you look at the number of uh, Metacritic scores or Open Critic scores, um, you know, 2017 has more mainly because of the way the industry is now. If you look at the uh, overall content of the years and kind of look at them from the percentage of amazing games of what started it, you know, 2007 was amazing um, and probably still known as the one of the best years ever in gaming in the current generations of, of stuff. You know, you can't really compare Nintendo or NES or Genesis or even Sega back then to what we have today, just in overall content in the same way as you can today. But um, if you're listening, like I said, go ahead and let us know what you think were the best games of 2017 and 2007. We'd love to get your um, ideas of what you thought. Maybe we didn't even talk about a game that was your favorite. I know that we don't play PC games as much as we do home console games, and there was a ton of uh, PC games that were only on PC that were very highly rated on Metacritic and OpenCritic as well. So, And I know even um, uh, Jordan was a big uh, um fan of uh, Planescape uh, Torment. That game did have a, a, a new game that came out this year, and that's, I think, a 92 on OpenCritic right now or something. So there's there's so many games that are happening in 2017, and it's a good time to be a gamer on any console that you're on. So hopefully uh, you're enjoying it as much as we are. But uh, thanks for listening, if you are listening on that standalone. Um, so let's go ahead and kind of get closer to wrapping up uh, today's uh, bitcast, and let's kind of talk about any collectibles. Is it, what, do you, what do you got this week, Ains? Yeah, keep it quick here. Like you said, we're wrapping up. I just wanted to share this because I thought it was really neat. And that is the um, Uncharted 10th anniversary poster. So this is, uh, we were talking about Uncharted. Funny enough, this started in 2007, by the way, if we didn't make that clear. Um, but the Uncharted franchise, uh, if you can see this here, it's kind of reflecting in the light. But it's a 10 years of adventure poster. It's a really well done. As you can kind of see, um, this was sold. It wasn't even really that expensive. I want to say this was a $20 or $30 print. 
Um, I'm not sure if you can still get it. You may want to look that up actually, but it's really neat. You can look on IM8bit for that. I think I've promoted them before. Um, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of the uh, Uncharted franchise, like I said. And so I thought this was a really neat print and just kind of had, you know, all your main characters and some references to each of the titles on it. So pretty neat. That's fantastic. Looks a lot better in your hands and on this video than it did on the site. For some reason on the site, it didn't jump out at me. Uh, and I might have to order that now. The funny, funny thing is I hope they do one for Last of Us. Um, yeah, me as well. I, I've, been, yeah. I've been looking for like a Last of Us print that is not only hard to find, but actually represents the game really well. Some of the ones that have come out, I've wondered, what in the world does it have to do with Last of Us? But um, Yeah, I think Sony in general, I wish Sony would do more, because they have those uh, franchises that have those really memorable characters like Uncharted or Last of Us. Like I really wish they would do more for um, first-party licensed collectibles you know they they do have a playstation store where you can buy some things but it's really lacking they could do so much more yeah some of the stuff that i've seen for them is almost like a walmart poster that you can get for like six bucks <laughs> and it's just kind of like i want something a little nicer printed on better paper and then maybe it's limited to you know even two thousand five thousand or something would be great but i just don't see much of it so yeah like i said i've been i've been uh looking for a laugh of us one but i i don't really have a lot of collectibles this week i did have some kind of funny things that i didn't want to touch on and for some reason, uh, right now is a good time to be a controller collector. So um, the reason I say that is because there's so many controllers that come out. If you buy a lot of consoles, you get a new controller with it every single time. And uh, I've actually been picking up uh, these controller things that come out for controls that whether it be for a special edition console, I have the box here. This was actually an open box that came from Amazon. And what this one's for is for the Master Chief. It's a, it's a controller uh, holder. And let me let you know the way it looks. So this will sit on your shelf. And when you have it, um, it'll actually match the controller with the same paint scheme. And we'll also uh, have something to do with it. So here you can see the UNSC uh, symbol on the very front of it. You can't probably see it too well just because of light. Um, I also picked one up for the PlayStation controller. And this is more of, I think I paid five bucks for it, $4. Nothing really special about it. But it's, once again, the same color. Um, and it's got the PlayStation symbol on the front, so I can have that displayed in front of our um, TV that's upstairs. It's more of a clean setup. But um, they range around 10 to 15 bucks. There's nothing too special about them. I have the lock one on the way, and funny enough, my uh, Master Chief, sorry, uh, my Halo 5 console is being borrowed by another friend, but I'll have that stand waiting for him to put that controller on when I get it back and he gets his own console. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's uh, also a, a white one that I want to get for my um, Xbox uh, One S. Uh, controller that I have and hopefully they'll do something cool for the project Scorpio controller because that'd be cool Maybe it'll just say Scorpio or something on it. But yeah, I, I do see controller collecting very common these days There's so many different controllers for the Xbox one right now. There's different colors um, There's different uh, official products that are coming for like different games like the gears game There's a Forza controller and I see people getting those. Oh, the, so, um, the new Sea of Thieves one is amazing. Oh yeah, that's got the it's a glow in the dark. Yeah, it, glow, well. it glows in the dark of the skull. It's got like a one gold trigger and one black trigger, and it's yeah. got, it just looks stunning. Uh, they just get better and better with those designs, and I think it also comes with some uh, in-game content too. Like you get a special pirate outfit, so you may want to check that out. Yeah, and if you bought the the lock or the Master Chief console, they came with rec packs as well, some DLC rec packs that you could get with them. So. Kind of cool. Um, we'll see how much, uh, how many of those. And the other funny thing about the collector controls, they don't really drop in price too much. Once they kind of reach like a, a ceiling or um, I guess the bottom, you would say actually, like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, they don't really get any lower than that. Whereas some of just standard controllers get like 15 bucks for their controller. So 
kind of cool. And we'll see if that ends up being a, a big thing. I think Microsoft has done their controls really well from a collector standpoint, and that's kind of it for collectibles. Uh, for yeah, this week. I was going to say that we were just saying Sony doesn't do too well with collectibles. I feel the same about their licensed um, controllers and consoles as well. You know, they do special edition consoles and controllers, but they're just so lacking in design. They're yeah. so simple and and cheap looking, and I, it's frustrating. Like I would love to buy you know, when Last of Us Two comes out. I would love to buy a PlayStation Four Pro that's like really well done. You know, that just looks awesome for Last of Us Two, and I know it won't happen. Um, it'll probably have some little thing on it that looks like a sticker. Like the Battlefront 2 one that they promoted in the fall was ridiculous looking. Yeah, um, same with the Destiny one too. Yeah, Destiny ones are cheap. I actually have the uh, Uncharted 4 um, DualShock 4. All it is is blue. It's just a light blue instead of black. You know, there's nothing else on it. And it, it's just, it's a shame. Yeah, which is weird because you get like even the Battlefront 1 Oh, sorry, uh, Battlefield One, um, Xbox. There's the Forza Xbox. There's the the Gears Xbox. I mean, they're all done so well. Um, with oh, the, the, Mine, the Minecraft one looks. It looks oh, like yeah. a block out of the game. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And so does their special edition controllers there too. They look really, really nice. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Nintendo does a good job with their stuff too. Um, there's some really, really nice like 3DSs that you can get. But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, that might be a topic that we could have as well on uh, that kind of stuff because there's some really cool ones. But um, dropping us to the next and last section of our vidcast today is our season reflections. So uh, <laughs> what are you going back to today, Ains? Yeah, so we'll close out with some uh, older games we love. So mine this week is, or this biweekly episode, is Alan Wake. So Alan Wake uh, by Remedy Entertainment was an exclusive to the Xbox 360. It was a, uh, what they call here on the front, a psychological action thriller. I don't know if they were start trying to start a new genre or what. But um, <clears throat> it is a, a highly regarded game among uh, people who played it. It was reviewed well. It is still loved today. It did get some DLC, which expanded upon it, and it got a, a 360 arcade title called American Nightmare, which gave us a little more Alan Wake. But uh, it, it's one that's... Um, it was dark and kind of mysterious. It was kind of haunting. It had some unique gameplay aspects with the whole flashlight uh, and collectibles that you could find in it. And it was just really well done. You know, I find Remedy games in general to be really well done, but for whatever reason, just like Quantum Break, excellent game, didn't sell well. It, I don't know if it's marketing, if there's just a, a smaller segment of the gaming population that enjoys these types of games. I'm not sure. But if you talk to anyone today who played Alan Wake, the first thing we ask is when's Alan Wake coming? Alan Wake 2 coming. You know, we really want a sequel to it. And sadly, I, I don't know if we'll ever see it. But um it is uh it is really enjoyable. Can you play it today? I would say absolutely. You can go back and play it. In fact, um you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you can play it on your Xbox One. It is backwards compatible. Um, and it, it still plays well. It's just one of those really good games. So um, that's about it. I, I really do hope we see Alan Wake 2 at some point, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, and there was a really cool collector's edition for Alan Wake. Um, that was, I think you could get the book that was written, and it came with some special edition discs and stuff. I was actually hunting that down for a while, and then I kind of lost track of it. I kind of want to get it anyways, but it's a really cool collector's edition that you can pick up for it. And um, yes, it is backwards compatible, uh, the Alan Wake is. And then I, I also believe it's very... Um, playable. I actually got a thousand out of a thousand on that one after finding all the little notes that are in the game. So that took a long time. There was one note I missed when I was playing that I had to took me forever to find. But um, <laughs> you know, one thing that's funny about it, I just opened it up. It's back when games came with full color manuals. Look at that. 
Nice. Talking about the characters, the enemies, and look, it even has a full map in it too. I Great. miss those. Yeah, there's there was some fun DLC for that game too. So, yeah, um, yeah. It's crazy. Um, that game also heavily inspired by Twin Peaks. So if you're a uh, uh, a Twin Peaks fan, give Alan Wake a try. Great game. Uh, my quick season reflection for this week is an old PC game. I was digging through some boxes of some old games that I had, and uh, I came across SimCity 2000. If I can even get this to focus properly, the SimCity 2000. Um, great game. Um, this was back in 96, I believe it was. Um, SimCity 2000, the reason I have it on here is because it was one of the games that got me really into gaming and uh, PC gaming. That's when I played most of my games on PC and home console was kind of on the side, but you can build an entire city. The natural disasters would come get you and you'd have to rebuild the city. Funny enough, my computer lit class um, and even in college actually had us create a city and made sure that it was able to um, survive um, without being going bankrupt or something happening and me not having enough uh, water or fire department or whatever. But it was such a great game for the time. Um, I don't know if it's still playable today. Um, I would have to kind of think about that one a little harder. There was a SimCity 3000 that came out and then a SimCity 4. And we all know the mess that was SimCity uh, that came out a, a few years ago. So, But it used to be kind of what everybody played back in the day uh, with StarCraft and WarCraft and all those that kind of came with it. So. That's my season reflection of today. Yeah, SimCity, great franchise. Uh, it's kind of sad to see what happened to the one that came out a few years ago. It, it was an absolute disaster when that game launched. And uh, it was one of those, uh, you know, it became the big topic at the time. What was that, about 2014 maybe? And it was a whole online, always online title. And uh, it just ended up being just a mess. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the old SimCities, I mean, I go way back. I think I still have the one for Super Nintendo. I love that game. <laughs> and uh yep. you know bowser could come and destroy your city um but uh yeah no sim city fantastic franchise i really hope that um was it maxis i believe that developed those games i hope that uh you know the sim city debacle that happened a couple years ago doesn't destroy the franchise i'd really like them to, uh to, i'd really like to see them take another swing at you know rebooting it properly without those issues Sorry to, to burst the bubble. That's probably massive in all our hearts on that one. But um, guess who bought Maxis and then closed it down? Electronic Arts. Yes. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> Maxis right, no man. longer exists. That's right. Um, That's right. Uh, super sad news. And funny enough, uh, the SimCity game that came out in 2014, you're correct. Um, you can actually still get it from Origin um, if you go online and you can still play it. It's no longer always on. Um, and it still plays kind of well. I actually, I have EA access on Origin as well for PC. Um, and I went to try to give it a try. It's it's a lot deeper than the games used to be. And there's a lot of extra thinking that's involved. It looks really pretty. It plays pretty well, but it's just uh, not the same that it used to be. And it's even sadder that um, you probably never see another SimCity unless EA decides to do something with that. But I know that there were some other developers that tried to do some licensing with the SimCity name. And per usual, EA said no thanks. Yeah. So. That's a shame. I know that um, if you do like city building games, there's that uh, Skylines game, right? City Skylines that uh, was on PC, has come to Xbox One and PlayStation 4, and actually gets really uh, good reviews. So I haven't played it myself, but I hear really good things about it. So SimCity's not around, but maybe that's your, your replacement. 
Anyway, uh, so closing us out here, um, I just did want to mention that on the site, we have our uh, big cast special that Bert touched on right at the start of this episode. So uh, on our five favorite games of 2017, we did a video on that. We also did an, a written article. So if you want to check that out, it's on the site. In the video beyond our uh, five favorite games of 2017, we also talk about games that we loved in 2017, but that didn't make the top five, along with some of the games we wish we had gotten to. Um, but I also did want to mention really quick as well a, a new partnership that we're starting. So there's a company called uh, LFG Radio. They are an online 24 by 7 radio station, uh, really being aimed at electronica and gamers and that type of uh, subculture. So if you're into uh, that type of music and you're looking for um, you know, music to play while you're gaming and hanging out, um, check out LFG Radio. We are going to be partnering with them on some content here and there, including probably some news headlines and maybe some uh, even bits of our bitcast and maybe our main topics, or our news sections may uh, be published on LFG Radio as well. So give them a shout out. Like I said, that's LFGRadio.com. And otherwise, uh, as we always do, want to thank you for tuning in. And, uh, you know, we I mentioned before that we've got a really busy 2018 ahead of us. We've got some good things planned. Um, we're hopefully going to be covering some of the more major events this year as well. So uh, stay tuned and um, we will uh, hope to hear from you. Thanks, guys.